This is the Self-Taught or Not podcast with Dylan Israel and Eric Hanchett, where we teach you the do's and don'ts of software development from two software development professionals, one self-taught and one not. Hey everyone, before we start, I just want to give you guys a quick update. In this episode, we'll be talking a lot about what's been going on lately and how it's affecting developers everywhere. I've been thinking a lot about this and I actually want to help. I have a 10-hour course on Nux.js with an introduction to Vue.js. So if you don't know, Nuxt is this server-side rendered framework for Vue. It's really powerful and I think you guys should really learn it. For a limited time, I'll be selling this course for 50% off. It's basically the, the price of a Udemy course. It's really cheap. To get this deal, just check out the show notes at selftaughtornot.com and click the latest episode link. You'll see the link there for it and just go ahead and click it and you can go ahead and get the course for 50, 50% off. Thanks. Do you want to kind of lead us into the conversation and I'll kind of just pipe in? Yeah, yeah, we can do that, man. Uh, so uh, today we have a little bit of a um, smorgasbord episode. You know, there's been a lot of stuff going on. You got the uh, COVID-19. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about relationships and and dating as my, which has my relationship, which is about nine, 10 years has come to an end. So some of the things we can learn about that some of the cancellations and just sort of this just a, it's it's a, it seems like to be that you know I saw a meme the other day that uh you know Kobe Bryant RIP passed away and uh in a you know tragic helicopter accident but the meme was was Kobe Bryant holding the world together in 2020 cuz it seems like everything's gone to shit since then can we just do a reset on 2020 can we just turn it off turn it on back again yeah it seems like you know Kobe dying and then this like this COVID. I I remember watching the news because I'm I'm one of the you know mo- people are only in the like 50s or 60s watch news nowadays at least like ABC News. But I guess I I'm one of the rare people that do every day or almost every day. And I I kept hearing all these reports and, and online too, too of course like okay there's this huge this this infection this this disease this virus is happening in China you know and then i heard like total lockdown and then once i heard total lockdown in china i'm like oh crap this is going to be big and i remember telling a friends like just a month ago um uh, like hey you know maybe we shouldn't travel like maybe we shouldn't do this and everybody's like oh this is all overblown this is nothing's going to happen it's just a little bit worse than the flu Every, you know 80% 90% of people just get better and now it's like worldwide pandemic everybody's indoors i mean Anybody that's listening right now is probably listened to the news ad nauseum by now, but it yeah, it's just blown up. It's been crazy. Yeah, yeah, and I definitely was one of those uh, people. You know, Eric and I had plans to go to NGConf, which uh, was a large Angular conference. Looking forward to it quite a bit. Uh, that got canceled just straight up. Uh, you know, so that trip's gone. I had a course planned with LinkedIn Learning, which they were flying me out to California to build that got postponed just like everything's getting canceled. And, and there's, I don't know. I've never, I mean, I, I mean, I'm not that old 32, but I've been talking with my parents a lot about this when I was back home and they're like, none of this makes like too much sense in the sense of like, it's sort of a a first for everything right now. When they canceled the NBA season, I knew like, Oh crap. Yeah. Something's happening. Yeah. Let's go over this. What has changed for you personally since, um, we started this COVID 
craziness. Let, let me, I'll go ahead and start. You just mentioned NGConf. Yep, I had a ticket. Well, actually, I was going to go to NGConf. I hadn't bought my ticket yet, luckily. And then when this whole thing happened, my work pretty much canceled all travel. Like I work in Reno, but I traveled to Austin a lot. And they just canceled travel for the whole company indefinitely for we don't know how long. And then they um, changed it. Uh, all the conferences started closing. I remember even looking at like something like Smashing Conf in San Francisco. That was going to happen in a few weeks. And they were like really trying to put that thing on. And then finally they're like, um, okay, we're going to do it in September. That, that's funny too with these. You mentioned NGConf. A lot of these conferences, I feel like if they can't just refund all the money to the people, because if they do, they're literally going to go out of business. Because a lot of conferences now, instead of refunding people money, they're encouraging people to keep their ticket until the conference gets rescheduled. And the rescheduled times are all like in September, October, November. There's going to be like 50 conferences, web development and software conferences in those times, because all these conferences have rescheduled during that that, that time. Yeah. And I mean, I, I we don't know the intimate details of you know what the profit margins on conferences are, but you have to imagine their number one cost has to be the venue right and like it's just the the you know the large space renting it out that's not cheap and i'm sure all the flights you know ngconf if for example will fly you out put you up and even give you a trained um uh what, what do you call the train like someone to help you train with your your speaking yeah uh, like a speech trainer yeah yep and none of that's cheap and most of those costs uh, the hotel and you know the venue is not going to refund that money. So, how do you refund? You know, you you're out of cash. You're you know, and this is a venue that you know these aren't like oh hey we do a weekly conference. It's like a once a year thing. It's not like there's this huge, you know, uh, war chest going on for these conferences. Yeah, exactly. I I went actually just a couple weeks ago. I went to ViewConf, which was in Austin. And this was in like the first week of March. And this is right when things started getting bad, but it hadn't been at the point where all the states started uh, doing shelter in place orders. So, but people were started to think things were getting bad. And I remember going to it and it was, I was probably the, the most bizarre conference I've ever been to in the, in the state that in, in other words, it was not bizarre because the content, the content was great. The speakers were great, but it was kind of the vibe of it. First, I've never been to a ViewConf before, but it felt like there was less people there. And there was people that left like halfway in between. Like it was a two-day conference, but I would say most people was well, technically three-day if you count the workshops in the first day. But I said, I'd say like half the people were not there the second day. And the first day they, they had a, a mention slides that said by the way make sure that you use hand sanitizer you don't shake hands that you and it wasn't social distancing at the time but they're like just you know be careful was the common common thing on it and i just remember well, this is kind of a weird way to start this and uh, you know kind of add you know, put a little damper on the conference i still loved it i still like meeting a bunch of cool cool people and the and the conference speakers did a good job and but it felt like definitely it was a little different right away and unfortunately, after that, pretty much, I don't know any conference that went on after that. Maybe there was another one right after that in the first week of March. But it was, I mean, after that, everything started canceling. And and that's when my work starts saying, you know, work from... And another thing I, I forgot to mention, too, is 
we uh, working from home is just now a huge thing. Uh, it's just everybody, all these companies that kind of were on the fence from people working from home have just kind of pulled the trigger and said, okay, everybody works from home now. Yeah, it, that's going to be one of the more interesting things to see if that is a long-term impact. So, like, you know, I, I work fully remote, and if there's one benefit that's going to keep me at my current job long-term, it's simply that. It's not the pay. It's not the people I work with, although I love them to death. It's the full remote aspect. And a lot of people are getting a taste of that. And I'm wondering how much they're going to like it. Cause I had a buddy call me on like a Thursday at one who he works at a major bank doing home loans. He's like, dude, this remote stuff's fantastic. I love it. I don't know that I I'll be able to go back when, <laughs> when it's time. And I, it'll be interesting if companies one open up their minds a little bit and allow it to happen more frequently, even if it's just, you know, partial go, go into work, you know, three days a week work remote twice or two, if, employees are less willing to work with organizations that don't value that. I really hope you're right. I hope that companies, well, yeah, I really hope that companies think that working from home is a good idea and that this little experiment the next few weeks kind of opens their eyes. Cause I, I really think that there's no reason for, for a lot of tech workers, a lot of information workers to even be in an office now you could make the argument that you know you're missing the water cooler conversations, and those are very important, and you're missing you know that interaction with other people, which is very important. But you can kind of simulate a lot of that just through Slack, or uh, yeah, through Slack, through your chat, through Skype, phone calls, Zoom, whatever your video conferencing tool is. So you can kind of simulate some of that. But you know, I think this is a good trend. My I've always been sort of remote because we have a small team here in Reno, but most of the people I work with are in Austin. So we've kind of already been working remote. So it's not that huge change. It's just instead of going to the office, I'm just pretty much working from home, but it's it's very, very similar to working remote. I know, I, I think it, it's a good situation. I, I know I was just listening to another podcast the other day. It's um, I'm not gonna name any names, but they're, it's these three women that, that do this podcast. And they were saying that they had a lot of disadvantages. They did not want to work from home because they said, or work remotely because they really enjoyed that human contact that you have because, you know, we're humans, we're social creatures and that being in office, they just felt, um, they felt less lonely. And I could see both, both ways. Like us, like I'm a little more introverted. I, uh, you know, I can get lost in my work, you know, put me in front of a project. I can, I can. I'll look at the clock. It's you know seven p.m. or seven a.m. Next moment I look at the clock, it's noon. Next time I look at it, it's three. I can definitely have days like that sometimes when I'm just so focused on work, and it doesn't bother me. But I could definitely see this is not going to work for everyone. So I guess I have mixed feelings on it. I mean, I have a direct feeling that if you if you don't like working remote, great, but don't let that mess it up for me. Like like I, that's how I feel about it. Yeah, for sure. Let, let's ask, let's think of what are other, some other things that have changed in the last so couple of I, weeks? Yeah. I mean, I think there's some very practical stuff that is changing or going to change and you're starting already to see it. Right. So um, the unfortunate truth is that you can't really have businesses shut down completely 
And that's sort of what's happening right now. You're having, um, you know, as these companies shut down, companies are no more fiscally responsible than the average individual. They can't afford not to be open for hours upon hours. And so, you know, layoffs are coming. Uh, People aren't collecting checks. And that means that, you know, people are, uh, organizations are going to start freezing hires. It means that maybe the, the job that you have, they're not bringing enough revenue to, to, you know, build that new project. It's a, it's a scary time for any, any sort of industry at this point, definitely scarier for some other, you know, certain categories, but it's a little bit worrying. I wonder if it will be like, like dominoes falling. We'll start with the, you know, the service workers out there, the guys working at fast food places and restaurants and gyms and any place that is pretty much closed down right now for the foreseeable future. I mean, we're hoping that it's only a few weeks, but if this stretches on for months, you can imagine that these people, I mean, they're just gonna have to, all these people are gonna get laid off and some of these businesses are gonna go out of, some of these businesses are, are going to be closed forever indefinitely. And that's gonna be a major impact onto the economy and that's going to trickle up to, to everyone. So if these small restaurants are closing, there's gonna be, um, it's there's gonna be less money in the economy, lots of goods and services will be purchased, these large tech companies probably start with these small mom and pop shops, these web development shops that really rely on, on, you know, these, these businesses in town are not going to have business anymore. Businesses are going to be scared to to spend money. So like these, even these web development stops will stop web development places will stop um, earning money and, and they'll, they'll close down and then it could even trickle up to larger corporations and they'll stop. They'll do start doing hiring freezes. I mean, I'm just looking on Twitter the other day and I know, Dylan, you don't use Twitter too much, but I'm starting to see more people saying, hey, I just got laid off from my job. Do you know of anybody hiring? And then people are retweeting their tweets. I've seen a few places are still hiring. I think Amazon is one of them that if you are into big tech companies, Amazon is slammed right now, especially in their warehouses. I don't know how much they're slammed in their tech workers, but I'm guessing they're still full speed ahead. I know some companies are canceling their internships for for software developers, some are just placing them on hold and, and pushing out the start dates, or they're doing fully remote internships. So, and then I know a lot of companies are doing hiring freezes. So it feels like we're starting to see that that very little bit of an edge start to go up of where people, um, where these tech companies, these software companies are starting to, to scale back a little bit and starting to reevaluate. Do we need to hire more people? Do we need to should we put a hiring freeze on? And then if it gets worse and in a couple, two or three months, we're, we're still like not fully going, you know, I could imagine that, that we're going to be in a bad situation. And I, I, it kind of reminds me back to 2008 and 2009 or 2007. I don't know if, I don't know, Dylan, you were, if you were in the, I think you were just starting to get into tech back then or, yeah, I, I was out there slinging pizzas back in 2008, <laughs> 2009. So I had graduated college in 2007, and my first job was in really getting my first job during the height of the the downturn in 2008 was really tough. And there was a lot of people that ended up um, losing their jobs. You know, I went, I finally got hired onto a company, and we went through every year, there was a two or three rounds of layoffs. And luckily, I was okay with it. And actually I did get laid off in 20, 2009. <laughs> and then it took me weeks to get a job. 
And then the company I joined then still had more rounds of layoffs. So I think that was a weird time for a lot of companies and there was a lot of layoffs. And I really hope that this this virus doesn't cause the same situation to happen. I'm hoping like two or three weeks happens. We all come out of our quarantine, you know, the schools start up again, the economy starts jumping again, maybe they start reopening restaurants. And I think if we can get ahead of this in the next month or two at most, then I think we're going to be a lot better off if this drags on past the summer. Yeah, but I I think all of us should, you know, and blanket statement, not a financial advisor real quick. Uh, But uh, I think all of us need to be prepared for the worst case scenario, right? We need to be, you know, prepared and make sure our our war chest, our rainy day fund is a little bit larger than usual. We want to, you know, make sure that if we can take advantage of, you know, um, financial opportunities in the stock market that you, you, you can, right? Um, take 2008, 2009, for instance, if you, for instance, uh, invested towards the bottom of the market, the height of the market, you'd have forex your, at your, your money in about 10 years, which is kind of ridiculous. Um, but it's, a uh, mentally, I think, I think the best thing all of us can do is just try and do our part, mentally prepare and be prepared for the worst. That's really all you can do. I mean, hope for the best, prepare for the worst. Now, would you still at this point, are you confident enough if you, like, let's say you didn't have a job, would you, let, let, let me, let me try to phrase this the other way. Do you think someone out there that is, has a job right now, should they be, and they're in the tech industry, you know how us being in the tech industry, a lot of us change jobs every year or two or three, that they should look for another job right now. Um, is it okay to still look because there are companies hiring? Is it still okay to try to transfer even though you might be the bottom of the totem pole, so to speak? Yeah, right now, um, I mean, it all comes down to uncertainty, right? I, I've i been in the position recently where, you know, we're sort of, our, there's not a lot of room for growth in terms of income. And so more so what I'm currently looking for is just something steady that I like. Now, if you are in the position where you just started your career and you can go and get a, you know, a 30, 40% raise, I think that justifies you progressing your career as you normally would. Now, if you're in the position where all of a sudden you're looking at a five or 10% raise, well, I think right now is the time to hunker down unless you really just have all your uh, T's crossed and I's dotted financially, right? So like you have no debt, you have six months to a year. Like normally I would say three to six months of expenses is fine. When something goes like this, um, if you're not three months, go to six months. If you're six months, go to nine months, right? If you're nine months, go to a year. And if you have that, then you're you're able to be more risk adverse. Uh, but it really depends on your individual situation. If I was looking, I probably would stay where I'm at uh, until things sort of calm down and not sort of try to rock the, the boat too much. Yeah, I think that's good advice. I think it's really hard if you have the opportunity right now and you're making $10 an hour and someone's going to offer you your first real web development job, but $60,000 a year, or you're making $40,000 a year at some mom and pop web dev company in there, you could have an opportunity to move to a big company and make twice as much. Maybe it's maybe it's still okay to, to move. I mean, there's still some uncertainty that you might get laid off in six months or a year, but that's a lot of money to say no to. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I think it's it's just a it's a sort of a risk versus reward thing. If the reward isn't that great, 
then and the risk is has increased because I, I think I think we can all agree that the risk has increased in terms of the job market, in terms of layoffs. Like I'm not saying it's going to happen, but the risk has gone up just by the natural state of, of all this that maybe uh, you need if that reward needs to be a little bit bigger than usual. Yeah, exactly. A little, little bit bigger. Well, you know, I, I don't think I have too much else to say on this crazy time we're living in right now. But you know, everybody stay safe and stay at, stay home if you can. If you're in an area that's asking you to, I think that uh, relatively speaking, that many of the people probably listening right now are, are younger people, and or you know, people that are probably less prone to to be able to you know to die from this disease or to, to, to die from this virus. So it, we, we we are in better shape than definitely a lot of older people. Of course, we could still transmit it. I'm not saying everybody should go out. But I, I think in general, we should be okay, at least physically. And, and we could just hopefully the, the economy will be okay for us to still have a place to work after this is all Yeah. Over. Just one last thing that doesn't have anything to do with software engineering, but does have to do with this. Times like these are can be character-defining moments. Um, you know... As you just mentioned, you know, the younger people aren't, you know, I, I in Florida, for instance, people are going to the beach right now. Like you have teenagers and, and young adults going to the beach and not just caring about anything. And I, I just read a story about a group of brothers who went statewide in like Dakota or something like that. And when all this happened and took two pickup trucks and bought every single thing, a hand sanitizer in the entire state that they could find at like Dollar General's and then relisted it on Amazon. Guys, uh, let's, you know, th- this is not an opportunity to um, take advantage of, right? Uh, it's one thing to go and buy stocks when they're lower and, you know, you have the additional capital. It's another thing to go out and do things that are actually going to physically harm people. And, I, I just want to like I'm not a perfect individual. None of us are. We all make mistakes. But let's uh let's have some character in hard times, I guess. I agree. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. I saw that on the news the other day on the spring breakers and the guys like I don't care about the coronavirus. Just want to go and party, man. I'm like, oh, you are an idiot. <laughs> so I was thinking, <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah. Oh. Oh, you know, I'll have one final part parting thought too. I'm just thinking that, you know, as this goes on, and like I said, I'm gonna hope for the best, plan for the worst. But one thing to think about is, is I wonder if if we do go into a recession, if the crazy high salaries for software developers will go down. I think that we are paid really well. Many of us are getting paid six figures. I wonder if that will still be the common it'll still be commonly to pay software developers for six figures, especially if uh, we have a recession and there's a lot more supply out there, out there, um, then will that drive down prices? Maybe if heaven forbid, one of us gets laid off that we can't get a job making, you know, over a hundred K maybe we have to get jobs making, you know, 80 K or 70 K or 60 K or something like that. I'm wondering if how that would affect wages of everyone. Know, what do you think? Uh, I think if they paid me any less, I'd probably just do YouTube full time. That's that's what I think. Uh, <laughs> but um, uh, but no, I mean it, it is a valid fear, right? Um, I don't, 
I mean, it's simple supply and demand. I, I'm not a believer that it will really have too much of an impact simply because the demand is still so much higher than the supply. Um, but it'd have to, if there is some serious, like anything else, if there is some serious repercussions, it could happen. Now, the good news is that at in terms of companies that can employ um, software engineers and, and tech workers, those are typically very high profit margin companies due to the nature of tech. And they're, they're able to do a lot of what their core business is based off of digital assets rather than physical assets and lots of overhead. Not to say that, you know, other things closing down aren't going to have impact. It obviously will. But uh, I mean, it, if it gets bad enough, the answer, the, the unfortunate answer is yes. But I, I, I think it's a little bit premature, right? Yeah. I mean, this is all just conjecture right now. We're just all trying to think of the worst case scenarios that could happen. You know, speaking of YouTube, I wonder, you know, this might be the best time to start a YouTube channel, to start a side hustle, because yes, I mean, we're all a little nervous if people are buying courses and buying things. I, I don't know. I'll just publicly ask you, do you think your course sales are down or anything's down in your side hustle stuff since this all happened? You know, it, it seems to be about the same. Um, you know, I, I don't follow it like day by day. And with all this uh, coronavirus stuff, it definitely seems like you get a month's worth of news in a day. So maybe I should be. Um, but generally speaking, most of it's pretty straightforward. Most of it's pretty much the same. Um, but who who knows how that turns out long term? Yeah, I definitely think. I think for right now, like I'm looking at my stats, my YouTube, my YouTube has been, if you don't know, you can go to eric.video. Give myself a little plug there. Go to eric.video. You can check out my YouTube channel. And it's been pretty much doing really well. I've been doing really well since February, March. I've had some videos go relatively viral for my niche that I'm in. And, and I haven't seen the last couple of videos I released the last two or three weeks. They're getting about the average amount of views I normally get. So I haven't really seen any problems either. I've been checking. I, I do sell some courses on on Udemy. Or not Udemy, but I do sell some uh affiliates i am affiliate for udemy and a few other places and i haven't seen too many impact yet so you know if you are out there and you're a little worried you might want to think hey maybe i could start a youtube channel maybe i can do some of these other things that i hear dylan and eric do because you can make a little extra money now something like youtube is going to take a while uh there's a lot of youtube channels out there uh, we're actually thinking about doing a youtube uh, best youtube videos i think that'd be a fun video that might be our next one uh, like our our favorite channels, I should say. Yeah, channels. I'm, um, so, I'm sorry, not YouTube videos, let's say, but channels. Uh, let's move on, though. I know we, we're kind of halfway through. I think we, I want to touch on this, though, because we mentioned at the beginning of the episodes, as relationships. You know, we, we are kind of living in uncertain times, and, you know, I think you've had a lot of changes in, in your life recently, Dylan, so I'll let you take this one and you know, wherever you want to go and talk about relationships, especially relationships with software developers. I think that's an interesting topic. Yeah, yeah. So as I mentioned, um, my ex girlfriend and I are no longer together, and it's been a it's been an interesting couple weeks. Uh, you know, it's um, I've only been a software engineer and had a single relationship in that aspect, and I often wonder. And and I wasn't really even going to talk about this, but when I did a live stream, so many people wanted a video about what it's like dating as a software engineer and like what I learned, which, 
really surprised me. I didn't think people were going to be interested in the slightest. Like they're not. I thought maybe they'd be interested in the juicy gossip. Like, oh man, what happened? You know, all that sort of stuff. But um, they more so were very practical and was like, yo, what what was the deal from a intellectual perspective? So what was the deal? I I I mean so. <laughs> So for me, and and this, I, I think to relate this to other people, I should I should put out the the blanket statement that I'm going to talk a little bit in generalities, not necessarily because I want I care about talking about my personal situation, but because she's not here to speak for herself. And also, some of the things I'm going to say are going to stereotype developers. Um, so in my circumstance, I think a lot of software engineers have the ability to get very laser focused, where you know, that's, that, that's almost part of the job where you can just hone in on a single feature, hone in on a single technology. And you, like you, you can hone in so, so um, like visually and mentally that you can see when there's a semicolon out of place. Like that's something a lot of people can't do. It's actually, uh, you know, one of the harder skills to develop. And then you, you add that and you take this aspect of, again, generalizing here, that a good portion of developers, myself included, would consider themselves introverts. And so sometimes what ends up happening, at least in my case, is that you focus on one thing so hard and then, you know, compiled with the stuff that maybe you don't pick up on signals or or you're not really paying as much attention uh, because you're sort of introverted, that you miss some things along the way. And I know in my case, I just worked too much. Like that, that, there's a lot of things that that resulted in, but the core root cause was I, I worked too much and I was too uh, focused on other things. That is a perfect way to put it. I've actually had the same conversation. I've I've been married for 12 years to my wife, and it's definitely one of those things that kind of pops up during the relationship is that you know us as programmers, as Dylan has said, you know, we can get laser focused on things. We can. It makes us. Part of the reason why we're pretty good developers and programmers, we can sit in front of a computer for hours on end and look at something and and be lost in it, and not you know we can't even hear things around us once we're super locked in. You know, I've had that happen where I'm at home and I I'm thinking of some problem I had at work or some some issues that I'm I'm dealing with, and then my wife's like, Eric, 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 are you listening to me? I'm like, uh, what what? Because that that's kind of how we work, and and if it gets too bad, you can literally miss really important things, and you can miss different cues and different subtleties that happen, especially around your spouse. And you it's you have to be very cognizant of to turn off that that kind of superpower that we have as developers, where we're where you know we're intellectually just focused and honed in on things, and be able to come home and be able to be like to turn all that off and be like, okay, now I need to to exactly see what's happening around me and, and be able to to pick up on the cues when, you know, my wife is upset or, or happy or, or things like that. And, you know, that, that's kind of definitely, I've, I've felt, I felt that before too. Yeah. And I, I'd say for me personally, I think the, the strangest thing, and it's so cliche is that because you're so laser focused on this stuff is that you never see it coming. Like, 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 I was, like, I know, I, I have no doubt that, uh, from, from my conversations that there were hints or there were this, there was that, but I, I mean, you're so focused on other things that you, so for whatever reason, you know, in one ear, out the other. And it's a, it's a strange thing. It's, it's hard to turn off. Like I find myself now 
Um, I, I still don't have a lot of free time uh, because, I mean, th- my schedule really hasn't changed all that much. It's I spend a lot of time working and, uh, you know, we could we could probably talk about what it's like uh, being a workaholic and how that impacts your life. Because that's sort of part of it. But it's um, it's strange to it's strange to try and explain that, because at, at the end of the day, you sort of you don't work for yourself. Like uh, all the things that I was laser focused on was for an us, but now it's just for an I, and it's sort of uh, it's sort of strange because it nothing's changed, but at the same time, the motivation's slightly different. It's also if you're a workaholic like Dylan and I, um, I, it's also you have to realize too that yeah, your work if you, if you have a spouse, girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever, then you are sort of working for them too. And you kind of put yourself in that mind like, well, it's okay. I work these extra hours or I put in all this extra time because now we're going to make this amount of money and really I'm doing it for both of us. But you have to really make that really clear to your spouse or significant other, because it may feel like to you that you're working all this extra hours and you're doing all these things for both of you. But the other person might be like, you know, I don't want you to work all these extra hours. I'd be happy if you just came home a little earlier and, we we don't have to have all this extra money or or something like that. So work, I think, is is very tricky. I think it. I mean, we always think about the the worst case scenario, like when you don't have any money, and then you know that how crappy that is. But it's a weird scenario when you're actually starting to get money, and it still feels like you're still having the same arguments or the same problems that you had when you didn't have money. And that's where I guess communication would come in. You know, what do you think? Yeah, I think you nailed it on that last bit there because it's not that it's I mean, what at, at least in my circumstance, from what I think from the workaholic and just being so laser focused is that there is a breakdown in communication. Again, a very cliche thing, but it happens where one side is not you know, happy and and the other side is not picking up on that. And at some point it boils over and just explodes. And then at that point it starts making, you're like, oh, you're upset. But uh, <laughs> it might it might be a little bit too late. Um, and But it is it is sort of hard to turn it off for me, at least. I, I could tell you that I'm to, I, I don't use this word lightly, but I'm, I'm somewhat traumatized by past financial um, ruin or past financial decisions. And, you know, I, I've always you know, wanted to make sure that, that I never go back to that. And it, it, in some degree, sort of impacts you. And so sort of to your point, my, my thought about money is very much like my thought about health insurance, is that when you have it and you don't need it, you don't care. But the second you don't have it and you do need it, it becomes a real issue. And so like my, my objective has always been to avoid that. and sort of the funny thing about that is you know the idea there was to have a better relationship because you know the number one one and two things that break up relationships is infidelity and money do you think so if you look back at your relationships and i'll talk about it too when you didn't have money was there more arguments about money or was it the same amount of arguments about money when you had money in other words did money solve a lot of problems or did it just add new problems? 
So there was never any arguments about money because we didn't have any money. Uh, there was stress about money. You know, the stress of figuring out how we're going to buy groceries, the stress of how we're going to, you know, quote unquote, do the bills right now instead of having things set up to auto pay. And, you know, that that stress of life, which is a very real one for a lot of people, like the majority of people, I think I, I read that 70 or 75% of Americans can't afford a $400 bill. You're living paycheck to paycheck. It's a very stressful lifestyle to live in. And I've, I've done that for the majority of my life. And being able to eliminate that stress is a huge thing. Now, so in that aspect, I think it's just the stress. Nowadays, it's not it's not the, um, the uh, or I guess in, in recent times, it's not that money caused the issues. It's that the the um the obsession of avoiding the failures of the past and not having the time for other things caused the issue i guess if that makes more sense so it would be like now that you have more money you know as software developers we usually paid pretty well hopefully that'll continue but so usually end up getting paid a lot better and by the way, I'm going to preface to say that we are very privileged people and not everyone around the world has this privilege. And if you live in India and you're a developer, you probably don't make as much as a U.S. developer. I understand that. But yeah, it feels like now that the problems has shifted from the stress of not having money and being able to make your mortgage payments or apartment payments to now it's like, do you spend too much time trying to make money? <laughs> are you are you spending are you working too hard to make more money? Or in my instance, I'll be frank, sometimes it's like, what do we do with the extra money? Do we save it? And do we try to save it all so that way we can maybe buy rental properties one day? Or do we kind of be comfortable in the lifestyle that we have? And it doesn't matter if you're making a thousand dollars a month or ten thousand dollars a month. There's always things you can do to spend it on. You know, you could be in a nice middle class neighborhood and and have a nice income but you know there's always going to be improvements to the house you can do there's always going to be a new car that you can buy you can easily spend all that money every month and live comfortably but now you have art you could have but if the the spouse doesn't want that type of lifestyle maybe the spouse is is thinking well you know we went through some hard times why don't we save all this money why don't we try to buy something big and make use this thing to, to build money, then you be, then it becomes a disconnect. So it feels like, at least personally for me, I think I have, the, I don't have as much stress about making the bills, but we still have arguments about money. Yeah, and, and sort of to the first part of this conversation, and one thing I, I, I wanted to touch on is that the the work I'm talking about is has nothing to do with my career. I in terms of being a salaried employee, it's about all the extracurricular stuff that's there for if that's not there. You know, and so, you know, one thing I, I hope people open their mind to through these, you know, if hard times come, uh, is not having your eggs all in one basket via the employer to employee relationship and all of a sudden you have nothing coming in. So I think putting that extra time to to give yourself that sort of sort of security, um, passive income or semi passive income, is something that I I value quite a bit because I I mean I I have come from a past where there hasn't been any money and I have been laid off before, and it's uh it's something that I didn't stress about nearly as much because I had some additional revenue coming in. Yeah, for sure. Uh... You know, one thing I also wanted to touch on 
um, because this was a very common question uh, about this was, do I regret working too much? Like, do I regret the, what has happened? And, you know, the, the honest answer is it's been a couple of weeks. It's still, I'm still uh, somewhat not my normal self. But looking back, I have my moments where I regret it and I have my moments that I don't. Um, but what I, when I think about it logically, and I was to say, well, what if I worked less and I didn't work on these passive income streams that I, you know, these projects that I helped propel my career and bring in money and I enjoy doing and the relationship still ended? Uh, would I regret that? And the, the, the truth of that is yes. And so I, I sort of, uh, you know, a lot of these things, there's no easy answer. Like how, how do you balance your time and, and money and your goals and your, your, um, your dreams? You know, sometimes it just requires sacrifice and you don't know where that sacrifice is going to come from. But at the end of the day, your hard work and the things that you're working on are not going to abandon you or leave you, right? That's something that you're going to have control over. And those are things to work towards. But, you know, that's sometimes it requires sacrifice of like, I, I've joked that I traded in my six pack for six figures. And that's, <laughs> that's, that's true. Cause I, I, I mean, the time I, I used to go to the gym three, five days a week. And the time that the, where I get the time for side projects is I had to hand that in. Like I just didn't have the time to do both. And, you know, it's unfortunate, but I think somewhat of that, and this goes to, you know, again, the sort of logical nature of the brain of developers is sometimes you sort of evaluate the pros and the cons. Like I know I, a lot of the issues that resulted in me working too much was things that I was aware of, not to the extent that how bad they were uh, on my partner at the time, but that it was okay because I'm doing it for both of us and I'll make up for it later. And so sometimes you can be a little too overly logical and something that not isn't necessarily logical. I want to go back to what you said earlier, though. You're, you're talking about when you say you're a workaholic, you're a workaholic. Uh, you do your job at work, obviously you do a good job, but you're not putting in a thousand extra hours of work. And that's your, like most people who are listening right now, when they think workaholics, they're thinking you're spending 10 hours a day at work coming on the weekends. Um, but you're talking about, no, I'm going to spend th that extra time I have on my own personal projects because I own those personal projects and the more effort I put into those, potentially more money and, and success I can get out of it, I guess. Absolutely. And that's, uh, you know, I've, I've talked numerous times about how I don't work overtime. And like, I might put in five extra hours a week when needed, but that's sort of the cap. My personal projects, those are the things that I, you know, those are my small businesses. If you want to think of them that way, those are the things that I am putting my time and effort and energy in. And, you know, I don't really have any hobbies anymore. Like that, this is my, my hobby is my personal projects. You know, this podcast, the book I'm writing, YouTube channel, the courses I'm building, the mentoring, the consulting I do, all these sorts of things. And to me, those are the items that are, you know, are going to be there long term and have lasting impacts that I can directly control. Me working for somebody else, it's up to them when they don't think I'm a valuable enough asset. I'd rather go and create my own assets than be somebody else's. Yep. And not to say that, I mean, I would, I think I can speak on behalf of Dylan here that, you know, we love our jobs. We love the challenges. I love my coworkers, my bosses. They're awesome. But, you know, there is, there is some stuff we do on the side that we, we have a lot of fun with too. And as long as it, 
and we were okay working on that as well. Yep. All right. I mean, that's all I got. Yeah. The one last thing. Uh, I think it sure. goes without saying that I am 100% in the right and she is completely wrong. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, life happens, guys. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, some uh, some craziness going on in the uh, 2020, man. I don't I, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm, I'm waiting in Florida for uh, talking about like the trifecta hurricane coming or something. I don't know. Like. <laughs> Like a recently, a gasoline hurricane caught on. It's like they've got gasoline hurricanes, man. Oh my god, it's uh, it's craziness out there. Yeah, you know, one thing too. I mean, with all this craziness going around, I just had to stop popping my head. This is a great time to to learn technologies. It's a great time to instead of just Netflixing and chilling at home while you're at home, just hey, maybe it's time to like pick up that dusty. C sharp book off the shelf or learn Vue.js or, you know, take Dylan's hundred algorithm challenge or something like that. At least, you know, I'll give ourselves plugs, but, you know, try to do something useful with the time that we have while we're all cooped up quarantine for the last two or three weeks. And I know one thing too, is I don't know if you felt this and I've, I saw this kind of sentiment on Twitter since a lot of people are freaking out. I, I'm almost certain like the productivity of all these new on all these new workers, people working at home isn't quite as high as it used to be. <laughs> I think people are kind of, you know, not killing themselves at home working at during this time. So I think that gives a little bit more time also to, to learn these new technologies and do these other things. I don't, I, and I think a lot of companies ex, don't expect tons of productivity during this time. Obviously if you do nothing, you're going to get fired. But if you know, if you're not, I mean, if things slip a few days, I think it's probably okay. Yeah, I, I think most companies are pretty reasonable. They understand the s- situation that you know uh, society is in. Ch- kids are at home, uh, and you're trying to do your job and whatnot. Um, you know, it's it's a hard time for a lot of people. It's a hard time to be single too. Oh my god, man, what's what's going on? Quarantine and chill, right? Is that what the kids are saying nowadays? I'm stocked up on TP, ladies, uh, but uh, don't, I got bottles of water. Uh, no, uh, but yeah, it's uh. Um, it's hard time to socialize lots of, uh, lots of craziness, but, uh, we'll all get through it. Yep. All right. We'll leave it at that. Later. Hey guys. Thanks for watching. If you want to find more about what I'm up to, go to dylanisrael.com. And if you want to know what I'm up to, you can check out my website at eric.video. If you haven't already, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. It really helps us out. And if you do, you might even be featured on our next episode. Don't forget to check out the website at selftaughtornot.com. From there, you can sign up for a mailing list where we give away free courses and a bunch of cool stuff. And we'll also let you know when the next episode comes out. And finally, if you didn't know, we have a Facebook group. It's called Code Tech and Caffeine. We have over 10,000 members. And you can find the link at selftaughtornot.com. So come join us. We have tons of developers willing to help you guys, mentor you guys. Check it out. Just make sure you go to selftaughtornot.com and check out the Code Tech and Caffeine link. Thanks and take care.